0: everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. figurechick911. Awesome, as always, to have you here with us. So listen, I thought today, in response to a lot of questions that I've been getting asked, we should do a little bit more. Let's call this a raw podcast. There's been a lot of questions about My personal transition. I always tell you guys all these examples on the podcast up to this point that I'm a registered nurse. I've been one for years and years and years. And I tell you that I no longer do that. I retired and I moved to open up my own business. And I also share, you know, nursing was never meant to be a long-term strategy. And I knew that I was going to be leaving, etc., cetera, et cetera. And some of the questions which have come forth, the comments which have come forth on multiple social media channels. And I love this. This is so fun because I can field everything at one time here, one place. So thank you for, for having the guts to ask. But the questions are coming from people who are moving through a hefty transition period themselves. And the questions are centering around, was it hard? Your like psychological transition, was that hard or were you rock solid throughout the transition? Okay, so for those of you who are new to this podcast, welcome. Again, I am Nicole DiVincennes. You heard a little bit of my story. I actually have been a registered nurse who specialized in critical emergency trauma medical care. Uh, I flew on a helicopter for a, a time and, you know, all in all, I left that profession a number of years back for two reasons. Number one, I knew when I was going to be a nurse, when I was first joining nursing school, which I, ever, I never even wanted to be a nurse to ever begin with. So, you know, we'll talk about that story. I think we already did on a previous podcast. I knew I wasn't going to be in that profession forever, but the question always was, what am I going to do afterwards? <laughs> that was, that for me was half of the, the problem with the transition. Okay, so let's just, let's hit this nail straight on the head. I'm going to tell you that the process of transition, as it applies to an identity, I guess, like I am a clinical registered nurse, to not working in that capacity, or I am an educator for health-related topics, you know, working through a particular hospital, like when you don't do that anymore. All right. So there's kind of like this identity thing that goes like, I don't know if identity is the right word, but that's just like you you say it every day. Right. I'm a nurse or I'm an educator, blah, 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 to I'm a business owner. I am a coach. I am a consultant. I am a speaker. It's a change in your verbiage. So part of it is like what you say is a habit, but part of it is how you think and how you operate In that role, I guess you could say. But to put it very simply, that whole process of transition, man, it was not simple. And even though I knew going in to nursing that I wasn't going to be there forever, I'm telling you, I say this all the time, the barrier, the problem, the major one was I didn't know. Okay, I had a a goal to be the flight nurse. Like once I got into nursing and learned that this whole flight thing was a a thing, I didn't even know about it. Actually, when I went to nursing school, I don't don't think I knew about it. Or if I did, I didn't ever really seriously consider it. And um, that was the maximum goal that I had for myself. And once I achieved it, There was really no other place in that industry that I wanted to go. I mean, the cool thing is that when you are in any dimension, anything that has to do with the human body, like your capacity for learning, you're your only lid. I mean, it's not just like you can learn all the facts and that's the end of it. Like the body, because it's fluid and it's adaptive, it's constantly changing based on so many different things or if there's different things wrong with it or blood type and like there's all kinds of like you will just be on a like a, an eternal learning curve and I loved that was one of the major attractor factors for why I stayed in that profession as long as I did was because you can always learn but once I started I'm trying to think about how to piece this together because it wasn't I all I can say is that I knew I wasn't going to stay there forever. I didn't know probably what my next goal was going to be. There was no other calling. There was no other vocation that I wanted to move into. Once I started paying attention to finances in terms of income, Um when I started working a lot of overtime and I started working for, we call them agencies, but they're temp agencies and you would be making more money per hour and I got my taxes done and I got crucified on taxes because I made so much money, it just bumped me up into a higher tax bracket. Like Once I started looking at it that way, because I never went into nursing with financial anything or income ideas as the leading force. I 100% believe for myself, and probably I could speak for any nurse who honestly comes in the same way, when, nurse, when you're called to be a nurse, like nursing is a calling. There's a bunch of people who go in with that financial Uh, aspect leading in terms of its job security, and you're going to make good money, you have stable benefits, you're going to have a job for the rest of your life because people are getting, you know, older and fatter and sicker, and they're always doing stupid things, so you're always going to have a job, but... If you are not in there because you've been called, you're gonna get weeded out real quick. You're gonna get weeded out in nursing school. and if you end up in a nursing school which is an enabling um, and wants to like push you through, you're gonna push you through the schooling, you're gonna get your ass kicked the first year out because you're not going to be able to handle the load your hands and your your face is going to be up in somebody's freaking hoo-ha like pulling maggots and bloody tampons out of there I mean it's like it's just, I say that sorry if that grosses you out but I'm, I'm making the point that if you weren't called to be in that profession like there's a whole bunch of stuff that you don't learn in nursing school that you get out in the real world and you're like wow <laughs> like, probably no wonder why they don't tell you this in nursing school, because nobody would continue to go through it, because you can't make some of that stuff up, and those things, that example that I gave you, like, that's real stuff, like, you will get weeded out, honestly, if your heart and your soul is not in that profession, like, it is a profession that 100% leads with love, and I'm honored to have been a part of it. I'm honored to know the people who I know and my friends who have come out through that that network. But once I started thinking about how does this profession not dominate my life, but how does this profession fit into my life? Do you see the, the difference there? When your profession or your career leads, you're trying to fit your life into the career. And I started changing my view on things once I started learning about how other nurses were earning more income, like that was the tipping point. And then one thing led to another. And then the next thing that I knew, I was teaching and I was teaching in fire departments with guys who had pension and they were, you know, had union, and they were very, very rigid about, and I don't mean this in a negative way, they taught me a lot about finance, like, they don't work for free. And there were a lot of times, ironically enough, while I was working in that educational role, that I technically was working for free. I was actually a part-time employee working through this hospital system, uh, teaching out at fire departments, and I was salaried which meant that while most of my hours were consumed with live education in a classroom setting, there was still a lot of work which had to be done, whether it was curriculum development, course development, developing, you know, continuing education, teaching at other organizations for different classes and and groups of people. A lot of that actually happened on my own time. So once I was hearing about how You know, the guys were not going to work for free. No, we don't. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they do. They're not, they're very generous people. Fire service and EMS people, very generous with their time for things that they believe in. But when the rubber meets the road, like they have firm stance on, if you want to take the money off the table, like the issue of money off the table, people have to be compensated for that time and that was what i learned from them and that was not this that was not where my life was headed and so as i was looking at this and then putting that into the context of holy shit like i am getting older here and there appears to be no man in sight for me to marry like th- the quality of man seems to be deteriorating here here I am in a couple of abusive relationships now, like literally there is no man who, I, I just, how is this even financially going to work then if I, because I want to have kids, if I then adopt a baby? Like how is this going to work? It became a financial thing and then I was like, well, I just will, you know, if I adopt a baby, there's a lot of single moms out there. Uh, then there's is the issue of, of daycare, child care. And I, I want to be clear, I didn't have any support. Like, I lived, I had moved kind of far away, so it wasn't like my family was very, very close to me. And even though my family is all about helping one another out, like the logistics of what it would take for me to be, it, it wasn't going to work. Like, there, I, I'm good at, lo, at logistics and strategic planning and, and time organization and allocation and management. It wasn't going to work. So then it was, well, I'm going to have to pay for child care. But in order to be able to pay for child care, I'm going to have to work more. So in order to do that, I'm going to need more child care. And it became like this ridiculous, like you're chasing your tail. Like, what the hell? This model isn't going to work. That was part of what started kicking me out at the end before I like, you know, cut the cord and went out on my own. Now, leading up to that, I had tons of friends who had gone in different avenues and went on to advanced practice. And this was before nurse practitioners were really a thing. So this was this was actually before 9/11. This is somewhere around like the year 2000. I believe right in and around that time yeah I think it was around the year 2000 I can't remember definitely before 9-11 though and I had friends who had gone on to become nurse anesthetists and um, I think I had mentioned before one of the the, it was actually the chairman of anesthesiology told (laughs) he told me that I was gonna go to anesthesia school and you know it was a compliment you know, he meant it in a way like we need you in our field and again looking back it was one of those cases where he knew me from working with me for a different reason i was coordinating a, a neuroendovascular program so he knew my strength and my leadership skills From that, and he was the one who said, Nicole, you're going to anesthesia school. And I didn't want to, like, for me, I didn't want to as much money as my friends were telling me that they were making at the time. Uh, in the so, yeah, I think this was the year 2000, that they were making like anywhere from 100 to 150 bucks an hour to sit in the OR with the patient who you know is knocked out, and they're not even doing sick cases. They weren't doing like the open heart surgeries or anything where there's a lot of activity. They were doing like simple, simple cases. And so they weren't even having like that intellectual stimulation at all. And I knew that the money factor was not enough to pull me there. I mean, I started taking classes. I was filling out applications. He had already been calling to, to the schools. I mean, it was like, it was a guarantee. All I had to do was take out a loan to pay my way for two years and that was gonna be the end of that. Like, it was literally gonna be that simple of a step, but I knew that once I started working, I was gonna be bored in another two years and we're not going to be any farther ahead than where we were before so (laughs) i'm here to tell you like and then i decided okay you know what screw anesthesia school let's go back to our original path and let's i started out actually as a pre-med student with a psych uh, psych was my major so i thought you know what i'm just gonna go back and do that so i went back to undergrad put myself in a chemistry class with, you know, all the 19 year olds, was in a giant auditorium and I'm sitting in there. I'm like, this isn't right either. And it wasn't the fact that I was older. Cause I honestly, like, I do not believe anything that has to do with, you know, the quote unquote aging process. Like for me, I don't give a shit. If there's something that you want to do, as long as you are breathing, like There are so many people who defy what everybody tells them that they're capable of doing. I just don't believe in those limitations. So it wasn't the aging thing. It was like, this doesn't feel right. I make a lot of my decisions on that level of intuition. Yes, this feels right. No, this does not feel right. And it's not temporary ooey gooey feelings like, oh, I feel like we belong together love. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your gut, your intuition. That's how I've always made my decisions all of them, and every single time I went against my gut, and everybody will tell you this, it ended up not working out well, (laughs) really badly sometimes, (laughs) okay, so never, you know, never ignore your gut, it's, I mean, that, that, (laughs) that bitch is always right, (laughs) so don't, don't, you don't even need an explanation, and that's how far I believe that I've come now, that people don't Question me anymore when I say something doesn't feel right. This has taken me a long time to actually, you can say it, teach people or train people how I get from point A to point B. Like for me, it's always been I I don't really give any explanations for anything that I do. It's just yes or no, and people are always like befuddled. Well, why? It doesn't feel right. Well, we need numbers. We need facts. No, the answer is no. It doesn't feel right. I'm not going to give you anymore. That's the end. And in the beginning, it was a lot of wrestling. And people, when they don't lead with that intuition, everybody has it. If they don't believe it, if they're very, very pocket protecting, wearing, you know, needle nose, we have to have, you know, proof of fact and proof of concept here it ends up not working out very well, but I believe that some of the best decision makers in the world, whether we're talking clinicians, whether we're talking politicians, whether we're talking business owners, we're talking, you know, people who are massive change agents in the world lead with that very, very high and heavy sense of intuition. And for me, it was no different. So sitting in that giant auditorium, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was like, <laughs> this ain't it either. And it was frustrating because, you know, not to mention I was spending money on these endeavors too, but it was just like, now, well, now what am I supposed to do? And this was before, that was even before the possibility for me to go back and fly again was made readily. So it, readily available and the parent and I was invited back, but it was rough. And then I thought, okay, you know what I could do is I could actually get since I love the human body. Let me go back and um, Get my PhD in physiology and I remember my advisors asking me Nicole What are you gonna do with that and I said oh, I'm gonna teach and, and she started to like say, oh, okay I said medical school. She was like what you can't <laughs> you Can't do that and I'm all like, why? And she's like, because you're not a doctor. And I said, well, it doesn't matter because physiology is not license dependent. <laughs> like an electron is an electron. Uh, you know, a, a fibrolemma is a fibrolemma, like a sarcolemma, a sarcolemma. Like it's all the same no matter whose body it's in or who is working on the body. Like it, it just, you know, whatever she didn't go she didn't take to that very well she didn't like my my candid night what's the word my candidness and my um you know just my kind of making up medical vocabulary terms as I went along I was trying to get her to kind of chuckle but she didn't so then I was like well f this noise I mean this is just this is seriously ridiculous and then you know I stayed for a while and then I ended up being able to fly and i did two different rotations uh with my flight company and also went back into the hospital for a period of time worked in cardiovascular icu in the surgical so we did anything that had to do with opening you up from like the neck down pretty much so if you needed a heart lung transplant bypass valves carotids you know abdominal thoracic uh, aneurysms blah 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 And then we obviously had overflow from other places too and the problem that I had going there was that I had already flown and the purpose of me telling you all this I know this is kind of like long and drawn but I really want to emphasize to anybody who's at that transition point you're not alone if you feel like either you're going out of your mind or you're spinning your wheels or you're hitting these doors and your level of frustration is increasing and it's just like no 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 and you can try as hard as you want to stay and when your time is finished your time is finished and for me having gone out and become a flight nurse not from an egocentric standpoint But from the standpoint that I was as the flight nurse, and remember, if you had listened to previous podcasts, I had trained myself to be the best clinician, regardless of license. It had nothing to do with being a nurse or in hospital nurse or doctor, it had nothing to do with that. I wanted to be, if I had to be the one to make the right decision for a patient. Even if I was taking over care from a previous, from a physician, I wanted to always do good on the, on the behalf of my patient. That was my commitment. That was what I trained myself to do and to become. And not that I knew everything, but I will, I firmly own the fact that I was ready for that fucking role. Like... That is it, it didn't matter what the fuck was the matter with somebody, if you needed somebody to move you, move you safely, take care of you and make you better, I'm the one that you fucking call. Like that was the goal and that was the outcome and that what I put in the work to do that. Now, what happened was I went back into the hospital after that and started working in the ICU. And fortunately that ICU, I I went there for two reasons. Um, number one, it had to. I went back in because the flight company was no longer hospital-based. It went to a publicly traded company, and we did flight configuration, and it, it changed separate from 12-hour shifts to 24-hour shifts, so we had less people, and then we had to re-interview for our jobs, and there was all kinds of mayhem, and so during that re-interview for my job, I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys or not before, one of the I think she was the VP of the company, came out and the first question that she asked in my interview was, What is what is your opinion of what's going on here? And that was like a loaded question. And she probably, who knows? I don't know what her intention behind it was or her motivation behind it was, but that really it hit a sore spot on me because the way that if you've ever had corporate takeover and you're a private group, it's brutal. I mean, they, and I understand it, like I understand, you know, the business logic of it, but where it doesn't hold a lot of uh, strength for me is the fact that you're dealing with people, and when you're in the role of flight, anything, there's such a high-level occupational hazard from the get, just operating in and around an aircraft, especially ours, because the tail rotor was exposed, that, um, to have extra stress and worry increases that level of occupational hazard that could lead to an accident. That's, that's fact. That's not, you know, my being worried about extra stuff. That's fact of the industry. And we know that. And, there was so much volatility going on and there was no information being relayed and people were crying and it, the emotions were very very kind of like tedious and, and tenuous and fragile and so i told her i said you know what i gotta ta- i'm gonna tell you the truth like it's it's terrible right now what i what's going on like everybody's crying and it's unsafe and I don't know if she expected that. I probably, she did not want to hear that coming from that company. And I knew as I said it, that I was probably hammering, you know, the nails into my coffin. But I would not let something like that go unreported to the people who, like, I want, she's a decision maker. I'm going to let the decision maker know this is what's happening, not point the finger of you guys suck but to do something you've got to do something and increase your operations whether it's communication people can deal with what the answers are it's the unknowing that crushes people and nobody knew where anybody was going and how many people were actually going to be asked to stay were people going to be fired like it was all that stuff in the setting of a flight company in the middle you know of chicago where weather is an issue and all that stuff so anyway i was not asked to be a full-time crew member i was put on the whatever like the substitute list and so in order to maintain income Fortunately, they made a position for me up in this ICU. So I go in the ICU. So I went there out of necessity, but also I was really intrigued by being there. I mean, I had never done that sort of nursing care before to that level of detail. Now, the funny thing was, is that I took care of those patients and brought them there before they had surgery so when i saw them they were actually sicker than when they came out of surgery and we took care of them in the back of the helicopter you know and if it was a nighttime flight like i remember this one time this was so funny we took this lady all the way like i think we went to go get her in a town called rockford and it was nighttime so we flew you know we go all across all these open fields there's no lights it is dark up there and You wanna preserve your night vision so you don't even have lights on in the back. You have like French fry lights on. And this lady, I mean, she was so sick. I mean, she had like, her heart was just like barely working. And so we get her all the way back. We get off the elevator and now the staff of the ICU, the doctors, like there was probably 10 people standing at the elevator when we got off to go into the ICU. And the doctor, like, they're all standing there. Like, they're in the way. And we're pushing her forward, you know, on the cut to, like, get where we're going. And the doctor goes, (laughs) we can't believe that she's alive. (laughs) And I remember, like, me and my partner, it was John. I didn't even look at him because I could, like, you could just feel the heat coming off of John. And, you know, we were thinking, like, well, what the fuck do you think? Like, our goal is not to just deliver them not dead. Like, what do you... What the fuck do you think we do up there? Like, what? Surprise, she's alive. Like, what the fuck? So, when I got into this ICU, all of a sudden now, there were nurses who were trying to posture up on me. And one in particular, I was still on orientation, was telling me that I wasn't allowed to touch the patient until she was with me next to me at the bedside. Like when they would come out of surgery, like I would have to wait until I could actually lay hands. But meanwhile, the nurses who were just like six months out of nursing school were allowed to touch these patients. And I was like, fuck that. So one day the charge nurse comes up to me. She pulls me aside because the lady who I was, I guess, being precepted by went to her. Instead of coming to me directly and saying, you know what, Nicole, I don't know you, this, that, and the other, even though she knew me as the play nurse. (laughs) So this is like catty, right? And this charge nurse who was like three feet tall was telling me that I wasn't allowed to touch the patients and all I remember by this point I was just pissed I was actually doing contest prep and I was probably low on my carbs and kind of hungry and I just remember doing almost like a mini lat spread I just like made myself super super big and I don't really remember the words that I used But I was just like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? I brought you these patients before they were fixed. And that was kind of like the end of the story. But needless to say, it wasn't the right fit for me because I had already had my wings spread. And there's no pun there because obviously there's no wings on a a helicopter. But when you're out there and now I'm, I'm being crunched in and I have to ask for certain things I have to ask a physician if I can give this this and this if it wasn't written in the orders and so there was like that crunching down on it but also it was at a teaching hospital you're dealing with doctors who were also learning and there were things that weren't coming up on let's say lab values but the patient was acting abnormally so, you know, one of the biggest indicators if something's wrong with somebody is they have a change in their mental status. So that could be in the form of aggression, that could be in the form of sleepiness, that could be in the form of all different stuff. And this guy was just kind of acting weird and his wife was there and she's like, this is not how he normally is. And even though all of his lab values were right, he was kind of acting like like an irritable like dick. Well, There's only one explanation for that, and that's, like, this is what we call clinical shock. Even though his blood pressure is fine and his, you know, blood gases are fine, his mental status is off, and this is worthy of stopping the press right now and doing further, like, we have to figure out what's wrong with this guy. Exploration. you got to see the patient. And I just remember having words with this physician as, like, this is clinical shock. You need to go back and read your textbook. (laughs) so what i'm telling you is that then it was like i was always having these discussions with the doctors again not that i know everything but i know i know patient care there's things that i will i will stand firm on this is one of them and this doctor would not listen would not listen would not listen no he's, he's fine blah 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 and then he would yell at the patient and tell him to be nice to the nurse or this that and the other i'm like dude only to find out that when I came back 12 hours later, the dude was innovated on a ventilator because he had a deterioration in his mental status after I went home and, oh, well, there we go. You see what I'm saying? But that was the experience then that I had when I was leaving nursing and just thought, you know what? Well, let me just go back. Let me just go back and do agency nursing now. Like this, I'm telling you, this was not a easy an easy exit for me. I kept on thinking, you know what, maybe if I just do something different or learn learn how to get along with others better or something like that, even though I knew I wasn't the problem. That was the mind F about the whole thing is that it, it was almost like an abusive relationship in and of itself that I'm constantly contorting myself and trying to fit into what has essentially become And out of control, like, I don't even know what you would even call it. It's beyond toxic. And the more electronic things became, the worse people's clinical skills became, then the more nursing schools that went up all of a sudden there's less thoroughly trained nurses. The nurses aren't staying in practice very long. They're all going to advance practice. Like there was so much volatility happening in the nursing industry and in healthcare. When then you layer on when Obamacare finally went through, I mean, that just like rippled everywhere. But there were like early socialist trickles in, like at a very early time. And then there was obviously business influence, and there was the influence of the drug companies and the control of the insurance companies. And meanwhile, these nurses, all of us who had gone in there leading with our hearts because it was a calling, like, It didn't like all of a sudden you're being taken advantage of and the brilliance and the expertise with which you bring to the table was being smashed down to a bare minimum standard and expectation of patient outcome. And there's all these checkboxes that you have to fill out on your electronic documentation. And it, it just swung so wildly the other way. And doctors also had to do it. So nobody then was learning or practicing, I believe, in a very pure environment. It became shit. And the farther away I got from a research university-based hospital, the worse it, got. it was because those people were like flapping in the wind, just like trying to like stay alive. And they had no, no backbone of how to handle high acuity patients or, you know, if they have like multiple things wrong with them, they're not using evidence research-based medicine to fuel their practice. Like it just became like, let's make the hospitals look like hotels and let's offer room service and it just it totally contorted the profession well when you're looking to make your transition out right you do essentially like a, a pros and cons or risk benefit analysis if you would and you know what's the benefits of me staying okay I'm gonna have a paycheck and I'm gonna have benefits right what's the cons? The cons is I feel like I'm working against my DNA right now. The cons is that I feel like the more I continue on, my license is actually in jeopardy here. Some of the things that these people are trying to pass, like, I don't get it. Like, I know better, we can do better. It just, the whole thing became so, like, mind-twisting. It was terrible. It was actually terrible. But my fear, again, was I don't know what I'm jumping to. I don't, there's nothing else that I really want to do with my whole entire heart. I fell in love with nursing, but not nursing as it became. It was nursing as it was. And sometimes when you're going through something, And I don't know if this is similar to what people experience as they go through relationships, maybe a marriage where it no longer is what it was. Not because you're not investing, but perhaps that other person, their heart has turned away from you or they've gotten involved with any number of things. Or maybe you know, maybe it was you. Maybe you turned your heart. I don't know what this. I would imagine that the the, somehow that backline is similar. Whether we're talking profession, whether we're talking relationship, it's you go through then this period of well, what now? Because this this isn't what I built. This is the the foundation. Uh, What this thing is standing on. This isn't even my own foundation anymore. This this is this. My values are, are being violated here. Like I, I don't I don't even know what the hell to do. The only thing that's keeping me here right now is a paycheck. And for my own personal situation, it's not like I even have to support anybody. I mean, if you have like quote unquote your reason why, okay, I've got I've got kids, I got to take care of them, you know, whatever. That can be your reason to stay. But even then when it is wrong, and when there are wrong things happening, I don't, I can only speak for myself, I literally can't operate like that. I can't. It's almost like my body rejects it. It's not even so much that I won't. It's like I can't. I get like I have physical symptoms. I get headaches. I get nosebleeds. I get, I can't even describe to you, it's like i become a different person and i just i i probably what it is is i'm emotionally disconnecting myself from it but my heart is still there it's it is literally like i'm fighting against myself and i will tell you doing that that pros and cons list it was it was hard you you have a whole network of people like I don't even have to really work to get a job. I'm being recruited. And if I want an interview, I just have to call up somebody. They look at the first line of my resume. And basically, I have a job by, you know, 3 o'clock that afternoon. It's not hard. Plus, I have all the credentials and the experience to back it up, not just the name for the places that I've worked. So for me to leave, it was not, it was, it was years. It wasn't an overnight thing. When I executed on it, that probably was sudden to people. But the thing that I think most people fail or fail, duh, to recognize or really grasp about me is that I, and it's probably gotten, it's probably gotten better. I know it's not been 100% over the years, but when I say that I'm going to do something, I do it. Unless I honestly, honestly forget. But even then, I'm working diligently to not allow that to happen. Like, I, my goal is to be, I don't know if integritus is the word, but integritus is the word that I'm going to make up if it's not one. Like, what I say is what I'm going to do. And it, I don't do it half-assed. So when I was going through that transition, it took me a while because honestly, I was, what the hell else am I going to do? Like, it was so hard because my heart was vested. That's all that I can say is that now if I go to a place where I'm going to make money, it's actually not a big enough pull for me. And... The other aspect of it was the places that offered that high of a pay scale. Because then I was obviously I was looking into sales and I I can't tell you how many times I looked at car sales like dealership and and different places where the the pay scale was high. I didn't want to work in a boys club. And... I, I know, like, the whole, like, everybody is, you know, speaking up right now about how, you know, women are, about how they are mistreated by men in different places, and I can only relay my own experience, is that... Man, I didn't... I got away from that. I didn't want to be in that anymore. And that... then that... Eliminated like ninety percent of the jobs that were going to pay really well, and then, well, then the real estate market tanked because I was, you know, in getting into mortgages. My family did mortgages in real estate, and then that tanked, and so then it was like this whole like downward spiral of things that happened following nine eleven. But what I'm telling you is that that process of transition, when you are avoid, in this case, it was me looking for the thing to be drawn to and trying to avoid pain at the same time. There was nothing that I was drawn to. I wanted to make a higher level of income. I knew that I wanted to be in a position where I wasn't going to have to work five jobs to have a baby, like with all the daycare and all these (laughs) other things. And I wanted to be able to like be the one who sees my kid take their first steps, if that makes sense. And if if please hear me out, if you're the mom or the parent who is has their kids in daycare, I don't mean that it's a form of disrespect. I'm saying that I'm in the position where I didn't have to, I I didn't get pregnant, I wasn't pregnant, right? So for me, it, it's like baby planning. It's like baby planning. How am I going to do this? And I wanted to ensure even from that stage that we collectively, me and my child or me and my children were positioned for success from the get go because I didn't like, there was so much that went into this. Holy shit. Like I didn't like some of the people I was around so that if I were to have daycare, I didn't trust their value system. I didn't trust what they were watching on TV. I didn't want my kid plunked down in front of the TV, in front of, like, Jerry Springer. I didn't want any of that shit, especially if I was moving through the adoption. And I know that I had been working with an adoption agency to adopt a newborn baby, but I'm not the one to put the, like, the kibosh on anything. I don't know how these kids are coming. I don't know if they're coming via the foster system. Like, I, my job is to put in place at this point because... I'm doing this as a planner, not just as willy nilly or we'll just kind of, you know, kind of just sort of come up with something along the way. I don't want those kids going into an environment which is going to be bad. All right. I have I have to be the one to create a new normal for those kids, especially if they come from the foster care system. And so that was the lens through. I started making decisions even before I left nursing, but I couldn't even communicate that to my family. I don't think, I don't think that I quite had the words, but the other thing was they never really thought that I was going to leave. And that made the transition hard too, because they felt that I was just dabbling. After I quit my job, like the, 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 last time I was working with a hospital system, that was 2014, some people in my family didn't even know until like nine months later, just like that was really how, how less, how, un what's the word, not often, the opposite of often is whatever, <laughs> Why can't I think of the word, like how little we actually communicated. And that's a major life change. And, you know, some people, they didn't learn until 18 months later. And by that point in time, like, shit had already severely tanked and gone south. And, like, the, then it was, like, escalating, like, how bad things were. And I'm not saying this to frighten you. I'm telling you this so that you can be assured that myself, when I come on to a podcast, when I come on to a coaching call... The reason why I'm able to stand there with such certainty in the things that I'm saying is because those are the exact either coaching cues, the coaching concepts, the strategies, the tactics I used while I was going through this to maintain the forward motion, even though You're looking into the other doors. Like I picture this like a big, long hallway. You're looking into the door side to side. Is this going to work? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And you're, you're keeping on moving forward. And there's always people trying to speak their life over you and tell you what's possible and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And they're offering unsolicited advice and they're calling you names. And, you know, then they they kind of disown you because you're not you know out in the limelight anymore and you're you're bringing disgrace because you're in financial turmoil and this and that and blah 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 blah. and you get into these spirals and somebody in my family said like you just you just listen to what everybody says meaning it from a negative point and I said you know what I do I said but it never changes my course whereby which they said you know what you're right it doesn't what did she say? You're too affected by people's opinions or you listen to, yeah, you're, you listen to people's opinions too much and you let it affect you. And this was another dimension of that transition is I did not have anybody in my inner circle and not because people didn't love me or because they didn't want to be in there. By the time this whole can of worms was open, there was years of planning and trying different things out before I went out on my own. and. For me, I am in action. I'm not a speaker. I'm not about, oh, this is my plan and this is what I'm going to do. By the time, you know, I catch up with people, I've already invested X number of months, X number of years in something, and they're still way, way, way back there. So it's hard for me and probably hard for them to catch up with where I am because I'm so fast in how I execute which is good on the one hand, but makes having relationships on the other hand difficult because, again, I say this all the time, nobody can keep up with me. Maybe Donald Trump. He's probably one of the only other people, and there's probably, you know what, I take that back. There's other entrepreneurs who move really, really quickly. Um, Grant Cardone is another one of them. I was so glad to come across him to, to see how vast his mind works, he's so, he's a communicator, and so the other people on social media or other entrepreneurs, they probably are just as agile, but he is more of a communicator, and I can pick up, like, I, I you know, vibe with his vibe in terms of, of amount of action and activity and where your mind is going and all these different things, but I'm here to tell you that the transition When you're going through it, there's so many things that are attached to it. You know, you're taking the train, you're putting it on a brand new track, but you still have sticky points from before. And there's things that you just have to cut, and there's things that you have to learn how to massage and, you know, just buff them and puff them and make them better. And there's times when you go and you are walking by yourself, and there's times when an angel just appears out of nowhere to shed a word of encouragement or give you a hug or something like the the people they always come like you can be assured that when you're going through it the the, the teaching angels always show up they always do but it's never and then looking back it's only been so that let's whatever let's say I quit that job in 2014 this is 2018 it's only been four years and the funny thing that happened now is that I saw one of my good friends who I've had for many many years he said um but that's a that's a long time to he asked me how things were going and the one of the times that I had seen him a couple years ago he would happen to be that that friend who just showed up and when he said how are you I burst into tears like it it had to do with like breaking up with a boyfriend and so it was like all that stuff too and he just happened to be there so now i think he's a, Poor guy, he didn't even know what to do. He's like, "You're the most positive person I know." I'm like, "I know, but I'm a girl. Like, we cry sometimes." <laughs> so, thank God for that dude. But um, he said, "You know, four years is a long time to have financial problems." Because it's not like you have a husband. And he said that, you know, knowing that he's going to be pushing on a pain point for me. But his point was. You don't have that financial net. So for you to do what you did, like four years of doing this 100% by yourself is a long time. And for me, I didn't think about it that way. I just thought like, I need to freaking, I was in survival mode. Like I need to survive. And once things kind of finally stabilized that, and you know, I made the sacrifices and I, you know, Shit was bad there for a while, and I don't mean to scare any of you, but you, when you pull the trigger, you've got to be ready to do whatever it takes to stay the line. That's the next part of it, is you fine, you cut the cord. This wasn't me keeping my foot on first base, trying to steal second, thinking, oh, I'll just go back to nursing if it doesn't work out. That's not how my mind rolls. I'm telling you, when I quit that job, that was the end that that was the end there was no more clinical nursing it wasn't a fallback because that's not how I operate I'm all in I'm not a let me just kind of sort of stay here and do this little thing I'm let's do this thing the right way 100% in I will do whatever it takes to move it forward but I can't remain a nurse and try to think like an entrepreneur it doesn't work my heart is still being pulled the patients are freaking like draining the freaking life out of me like it's not working and I took a nursing contract at one point was it 2016 I think it was um, in a school district and so I was a school nurse which is a no joke job it's like a little mini ER and it was probably the best way for me to officially officially and finally leave nursing but the level of dysfunction that the nurses are just never set up for success from the get go. But this one particular school district, it was in a rough area. And I floated to different schools pre K through the high school and between the drugs and and the violence. And, you know, I mean, there's there's kids committing suicide all over the place. And I mean, it's just like, I couldn't do it anymore. And it was unsafe inside the schools. And was so much to it that that was going to be it but i'm telling you it was a great place for me to leave because i really felt valued both by the staff at the schools and by the students like those kids like we work with kids man them kids they just love on you so hard and i just was able to love on them so hard and the people in that district like they're there for the same reason that i was in nursing like they were called there A lot of them lived in that community. They grew up in the community and they're giving back and their heart is there. And I only went there just because I I honestly needed food. That was, I needed to eat. And I said from day one, I'm, I'm not investing my life here. But I could see how you, it would end up being that way. But anyway, um my family just viewed me as always going back to nursing. And so after that, it it became a non-negotiable. And once you then teach people that you're serious and sometimes teaching them means you have to be quiet for a while and not share all the things that you're doing. That also is a different side of you that then I was able to think clearly because I didn't have the chatter. But that was hard because then I was in isolation. It wasn't like I wasn't kind of sort of around people. I was actually in isolation for a long period of time. And I, I put myself through my own coaching program. That's how I can tell you I came out the other side finally is that I wanted to sit down and get very clear on my goals And it wasn't leading with finance, it was building a life around, it was building my life and plugging the things into my life rather than me trying to plug my life into the things, if you would. Does that make sense? And so then then it reaffirmed like if you want to do this like you you have to get into business you have to obviously earn your income at a much higher level you have to start investing like you have to you have to be doing this and so I went on an extreme like learning journey with you know the tech world and you know different aspects of entrepreneurship and what I wanted to do who I wanted to become how I was making my decisions like and it It's been the best thing that I've ever done and I'm not there yet. So I'm totally transparent is that I still was coaching people through the worst times that, you know, I put myself on the coaching program. I used to call it the goals program. I don't know what I would call it now because I'm learning, (laughs) I'm learning how to market this thing, but that is why there's so many strong posts in my life posts, not social media posts, but like strong posts in the ground about how I conduct myself and command myself and keep myself from blowing away in the wind is that I'm very clear on where it is that I'm going. And it's not like I'm trying to avoid pain. Now I know what I'm marching towards. And I know the quality and caliber of people that I want in my life in all aspects in friends in a romantic relationship in business you know neighbors or affiliates or or whomever and once you're clear on that it becomes very very simple for you to yes no like you're triaging the people you're kind to everybody you love everybody but the wrong ones start falling away from you but it only happens when you're very very clear on what it is that you want but until you know what that is, the transition period is rocky and God will always put the teachers in front of you because there's not always going to be times when he tells you exactly what to do. He will put the teachers in front of you to help you realize what it is that he's calling you to do next. And for me, it was no longer in healthcare. care. It was, you know, how do I go out there and help people in a different capacity, which I had been doing my whole entire life, helping people through transition without my even knowing. I mean, this stretches back even like as early as I was like, you know, two years old. That has been, you know, I've been that sort of an instrument and Faith is something that you only understand looking back in retrospect. And now, you know, it's like these revelations come like, this is why I had you here. And this is why, you know, you went through this time and it sucked at the time, but I needed you to be able to be trained so that you could show up over here for this other person or this other group of people because I'm not finished with you yet. And when you start to, it's so humbling and it's so beautiful that you don't know it until like way later. So if you could ever be assured of one thing, is that god has your best interest at heart and sometimes you don't understand the tests and the trials and like your mind is just spinning and you're you're just trying to push and and go forward and and you're getting your feelings hurt and you're getting your heart trampled on and you know you're mourning losses of relationships and you know careers or you know your major like financial situations like and it seems like things crumble But it's during those times that he's he's with you and he walks with you and he carries you. And when you come out the next time through, you come out with so much more balance and strength that then he takes you to your next mission so that you can assist the next person in their come up. I promise you. So wherever this takes you, whether this is taking you into a different vocation or this is taking you into a different location, like that's how God works. He works through you. So I recommend, you know, stay prayed up, pray for wisdom, pray for sensitivity and receptivity to what he's telling you, and pray for direction. And I promise you, I promise you, the right person, the right person, people, the right destination will make themselves apparent to you. And with every step, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And you will always walk in confidence and full faith that your next step is taking you to where you're supposed to be. Again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to, you know, some of the inside of that transition. I look forward to, to having you guys with us next time. Make it a great day. Love you.